Anyway, we have been uh, following the Israelites as they have come out of Egypt and into the wilderness and following God. God has called them out, called them away. And so we have been looking at how God has been a God of a, a move and a God of a movement. And, uh, and so we see that God gives miracles in our moments when we need Him. Uh, we see that God gives miracles when we're moving and following Him. We've seen that where God guides, He then provides for us. And then last week we talked about how sometimes we need to just hit pause and worship along the journey. Today we're going to be continuing following the Israelites. And today we're going to be talking about how we can turn a dream into a reality. Now, I'm not talking about crazy pizza taco dreams. Uh, you know, we have those every now and then, and those are a lot of fun. Uh, for instance, just this week I had a dream that I was living in an, in an airport, uh, and I'm not sure why. Uh, all I know is that they kept moving me from place to place because they said, no, we need this room for this thing, and we need this room for that thing. And I thought, well, I can't settle down anywhere. I don't know why I was dreaming about that, but, you know, sometimes we just have some crazy dreams. But we're not talking about that kind of dream. We're not talking about, you know, the, the random firings of our brains while we're asleep. We're actually talking about uh, something that might be considered more like an invitation. See, when God gives us a dream, it is an invitation to do something with Him. An invitation to follow Him, to make things as they could be, or to make things as they should be. And so today we're going to talk about the Israelites and how God was giving them a dream. At first, He just brought them out of Egypt. Hey, I'm going to bring you out of this terrible situation. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to give you some rules and regulations. I'm going to form a community, make a nation out of you. And He did all of those things, but now He said, now... Let's, let's look towards the dream, this dream of a promised land, this dream of a place that we can call our own home. And so God gave them an invitation to come and to follow him into the promised land. And it was the same invitation that he gave to Adam and Eve. He said, hey, listen, I've created this great thing and I want you to partake with me. I want this to be a part of, it, a part of your life and I want to in, in be in this land of good and plenty with you. And so we're talking about something that, that we can all, we've all experienced because there's, God has invited all of us to join Him in a life with Him. But here's the problem. With the Israelites, we came to a place where not, they, they had the dream, but then they got on, right on the brink of, of realizing it, and then they came to a near death of that dream. Because when they walked up to the edge and when they looked into the promised land, they didn't see the goodness of the land. They didn't see the blessing that God had prepared for them. All they saw was the challenges that stood in their way, and it frightened them. But what we need to understand is that God is inviting us to dream with Him. You know, He wants us to see what could be. And so let's turn today in Numbers chapter 13. We're going to read, um, I'm going to start with verses 1 through 3, and then we'll skip down to 17. Just so that we have this story fresh in all of our minds. It says, The Lord now said to Moses, Send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the twelve ancestral tribes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. And he sent out twelve men, all tribal leaders of Israel, from their camp in the wilderness of Paran. And these were the tribes and the names of their leaders. Now I'm going to skip over all of that because that's kind of boring, right? And I'll probably say something wrong and then you'll point and laugh. But let's jump on down to 17. It says, Moses gave the men these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. He said, Go north through the Negev into the hill country. 
See what the land is like, and find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls, or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back samples of the crops you see. And it happened to be the season for harvesting the first ripe grapes. So they went up and explored the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob near Lebo Hamath. See, I told you I'd mess something up. Going north, they passed through the Negev and arrived at Hebron, where Ahiman, Shishai, and Talmai, all descendants of Anak, lived. The ancient town of Hebron was founded seven years before the Egyptian city of Zoan, and I'm sure you all knew that already. When they came to the valley of Eshkol, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes so large that it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. They also brought back samples of, of the pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshkol, which means cluster, because of the cluster of grapes that the Israelite men cut there. So, notice when he sent them out to explore the land, he said, hey, don't just make a tour, you know, don't send us a postcard back. He said, we really, we, here's some things that we need you to report back to us. What's the land like? What will the opposition look like? What kind of blessings has God already been preparing for us? And you see that when God gives us a dream, it's not just some pie in the sky, it's going to just come and it'll all be easy and everything's just going to fall into place. Moses was going into it with eyes open. Hey, we need to prepare ourselves for this. We need to look at it. What's it going to be like once we get there? Now notice though, he wasn't just focused on what's our enemy going to be. Although they did want to know, hey, what, what kind of faith, opposition are we going to face? But, but notice he said, what kind of blessings does God already have there for us? Notice he asked about vineyards and he asked about trees. Now, anybody who knows how to grow anything, and I don't, you know, we joke, I have the black thumb in the family. I, I'm just no good at growing any kind of plant and taking care of them. But I do know enough to know that when you plant a tree, it doesn't immediately start producing fruit. You know, it has to grow. It takes time. It has to mature. The same with, with a vine. Uh, I, I heard the other day that, that a grapevine can sometimes extend roots as far as 80 feet underground. And it's pulling those nutrients out of that soil 80 feet underground and then putting those nutrients into the fruit of the grape, which is what gives the grape the, the great taste and, and the nutritional value of it. So, you know, those are things that don't just happen overnight. You know, the, the, the trees had to have been planted years before. The vineyards had to be prepared and put together and tended for years. And this was something that, that God was preparing. The Israelites were going to get to walk into the promised land and everything was going to be ready-made. The trees were going to be there. The, the vineyards were going to be there. The towns were going to be there. Now, they wouldn't walk in and just it be there with a gift bow on it. It was going to take some work. They were going to have to do some things and follow God's lead. But still, they, they were looking at this promised land and looking forward to what could be, what should be. See, God doesn't want us to just stumble through life not knowing what's going to happen next. In fact, He wants to tell us the future. He has told us the future many times. In fact, He gave us an entire spiritual gift just so that we could know what's coming down the pike. It's called prophecy. You know, how many times has God made a promise to you? Has God told you, you know, if you do X, Y, and Z, this will be the result, A, B, and C. You know, it all lines up. God doesn't want us to just stumble through life. He's trying to give us a dream, something that we can grasp onto, something that we can hold onto. 
See, it's hard to just put one foot in front of the other, in front of the other, in front of the other, when you don't see what's at the end of that trail. You know, when you don't know what's going on. So God doesn't want you to just blindly stumble through life. No, he's given us a vision of the future and we can see, look, where I'm at might not be fun. Where I'm at might be challenging, but I can see that if I continue to put one foot in front of the other, if I continue to follow God, if I continue to be faithful, someday I'm going to live in the land of promise that God has for me. So God is looking for dreamers that will dream with him. But dreams on their own aren't enough. See, dreams require action for them to actually come into reality. So God is looking for doers. Dreaming is great, but doing is even better. And this isn't just an Old Testament principle. It's also a New Testament principle. If you flip with me over to James chapter 1, it says in verse 22, it says, Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and you don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look in the mirror, that's a lot of handsome looking back. I don't know how I could ever forget that, right? But we do that time and again. We look in the Bible and, and the Bible lays it out. You know, we, we try to act like we're, you know, unique and special and there's never been anyone in the world like us. And yet when we go to God, God knows us. He, he knows everything about you. He knows the pattern. He knows the blueprint. He knows down to the hairs on your head uh, which ones are white and which ones are not. You know, he, he knows everything about you. And so when we look in Scripture, it reflects back to us. Our nature, how we are, what God has in store for us, what he would like us to do, how we should live. And so when we look into that mirror, we shouldn't just say, man, that was a great word, God, and then walk away and go do nothing with it. See, we already know more than we're doing. Our problem is not ignorance. Our problem is obedience. And so we look in the mirror and we turn away and we don't do what God asked us to do. And then we turn back and we say, God, give me more revelation. Give me more insight. Give me more clarity. Help me to know what to do next. And God's like, well, I already told you what to do and you're not doing that. So how can I take you to the next level when you haven't finished this one? And so we have to be uh, not just dreamers, but we have to be doers as well. So let's go back to the story of the Israelites in Numbers. We're going to pick up in verses 25 and read down uh, through 33. Oh, I'm sorry, down through 30. It says, After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen, and they showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. And this was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a beautiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. I just want to point out, period. All right? But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea uh, and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. 
Let's go at once to take the land, and we can certainly conquer it. So they, they complete their mission. They go out. They expect the land. Uh, they they you know, get some produce and bring it back. They show it to the people, and they start to give the report. And, and they get to that place where they said, It is indeed a beautiful country. Here is the kind of fruit it produces, period. And that's where they needed to stop. You know, when I was in school, they talked about, you know, how do you know when you need a comma and when you need a period? Well, a comma, they said a comma is a pause. You know, you might stop to take a breath there or it, it completes one idea before you move to the next. But then you, when you have that period, that's a full stop. When you have that period, that means it's a complete idea. And so these, uh, these spies that went into the land, they went out to inspect it. They should have, when they came back, they said, yes, it's a beautiful land. Here's the fruit. Stop. That should have been the end of it. But they threw that word in there. But, but the people there are huge. And sometimes we allow our butts to get in our own way, right? And sometimes other people's butts get in, get in our way. So everybody looked at someone next to you and said, get your butt out of my way, right? God has a dream, God has a plan for you, and he doesn't want to hear but, but God. But this, but that. Because if we sit there and we focus on the buts, we'll be here all day long. All right? Because you can always find some reason why I shouldn't do this. You can always find some reason why it's not possible. You can always find some reason why not now. You know, Don't wait until you're ready because you'll never be fully ready. And so, what it, I mean, and, and that is completely ant antithetical to what we're called to be. We're called to be a people of faith. Faith doesn't function on the buts. Because if you wait till all the butts are gone, the, 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 the window for faith is no longer there. You know, it, it's not a risk. It's not a step of faith. It's not a step of faithfulness if you're not taking some form of risk. And so God is calling us to, to take that step and, and to focus on the dream that he's given us. And then I want to point out there in verse 30, Caleb, it says, Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. And I can just imagine those other ten, not Caleb, but, and we'll get to that, but I can just imagine those other ten sitting there thinking, will you just shut up, Caleb? Right? Uh, how many times have we been around someone who is just overly positive? Right? Anybody know someone like that? The, the grass is always greener. Everything's going to be great and wonderful. Sunshines and roses everywhere we go. And, and that just annoys us, you know, because it, it's, it's not realistic, right? We, we understand that not everything's going to be perfect. Not everything's going to go according to the plan. And yet, that is the, the, the attitude that God desires for us. Why? Because we're trusting Him. Now, what that means is we also have to trust that when we do run up against adversity, when things don't turn out the way we planned, we have to understand that it's not because God's not good, and it's not because God's not in control, but it's just sometimes success for God doesn't look like success as we would define it. And so, you know, we can stay hopeful and we can stay uh, positive even in the face of adversity when we understand that there is a God and that he is in control and that he is working things out for our good. So to be a doer, we have to conquer our fear. See, real success always lies just beyond our biggest fears. There's nothing that's worth doing that doesn't have a little bit of risk involved with it. But fears can paralyze us, and, and the, those fears can take a lot of different shapes. Sometimes our fear is of some sort of threat to our safety and well-being. And sometimes those threats are real, and sometimes they're imagined. 
But whether they're real or whether they're imagined, we still have that same gut response. I'm in danger. I'm not safe here. It, this isn't a good place for me to be, right? It, we, we have, they call it somatic responses. You know, when you feel, when you feel uh, under threat or under danger, your heart begins to beat, your adrenaline starts flowing, you, your, your rate of breathing picks up, you're ready to either fight or run away. You know, and you have that response whether the threat is real or not. Um, I'm not much on, uh, you know, haunted houses like the scary things they put up at, at, at Halloween time where you go through and people try to jump out and scare you, all that sort of thing. But I really do love seeing the pictures from inside. Uh, there, I saw one this last year where it was a group of people and they would go through the haunted house and there was this one point where something jumped out to scare them and they would snap a picture of the whole group right as that happened. And you just see that look of terror and fright on the people's faces and, and I just laugh and laugh and laugh and I'm like, man, it's better you than me because I don't want to be there. But even though that threat that they were experiencing, it, it wasn't real. You know, it was just some sort of like, you know, mannequin monster that somebody had made up or someone in a costume. It wasn't a real threat. They weren't under danger. And yet I bet you if you measured their heart rate, they were just pounding away, right? Whether the threat's real or not, we still feel that fear and we can't allow it to paralyze us. If we want to conquer our fear, we, we can't be afraid of the fight. Some of us have been around the block once or twice. Some of us have been in a scrap or two, and we know that if I'm going to have victory in this fight, it's going to take a lot out of me. It's going to take uh, discipline. It's going to take effort. Uh, I, might take, I, I might take a few blows on the way through this thing. And some of us, we've been through enough, we're like, I just, I'm afraid of, of getting myself in it again because I just don't know if I have it. I don't know if I have it within me to be victorious. And so we allow that fear of the fight to, to stop us because we know how much that fight will cost, of, cost us. Others of us, we fear the unknown. We don't like being in a place where we don't have the answers. We'll do research. We, we want to figure it out. We'll talk to people who've been there before. We read all the reviews. You know, none of us, we don't like the unknown. It's uncomfortable for us. And so sometimes that allows us to, or, or prevents us from keeping our eyes on the dream that God has for us. Some of us fear failure. We, we say, look, what if I do try? What if I do follow God and then I mess up? What if I don't live up to the standard? And we fear either the consequences of, 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 a, of a mistake or of a failure, or sometimes we just fear the appearance. We don't want other people to know that we're a big screw-up. We don't want people to know that we don't have our ducks in a row. And so we fear the failure. And then lastly, we can fear the success. Sometimes we can say, what happens if this actually works? Am I ready for that next level? Am I ready to enter into this promise that God has for me? Maybe, maybe I'm comfortable where I'm at, and I'm not, I'm not sure if I can be the person that God needs me to be. And yet, you know, that's something that we've already addressed. If God has called you to something, He's going to provide what you need there. So don't let that fear keep you from being a doer of God's Word. Can you rise to the challenge? You know, can you be good enough? Yes, you can. God wouldn't call you if He didn't have faith in you. God wouldn't call you if He wasn't going to equip you. God wouldn't call you if He wasn't going to surround you with people to support you and help you get to that next level. And so we can't allow that to keep us from following the dreams of God. Let's continue on in Numbers. We're going to read verses 31 through 33 now. It says, but the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. 
So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. And the land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who lives there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought, too. So they were afraid and they're grasping at anything. Even if you read it, it doesn't make sense. It says, anyone who goes into that land, it'll devour. Well, what about all the people that were already in the land? Did, did the land devour them? No. And, and it talks about how big and strong they were. Why do you think they were so big and so strong? They were living in a land of promise. They were living in the land of God's blessing. But that blessing wasn't for them. That blessing was for the Israelites. And God wanted them to step into that blessing. But people were afraid. You know, I've noticed that it just seems strange that, that the older I get, there seems to be more and more big people. You know, uh, our kids today, I don't know if it's the GMOs and the food and, 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 uh, or if it's just better nutrition or, or what, but it just seems like people are getting bigger and bigger and bigger, except for Miss Carolyn, right? <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. She's going to get me for that this week. Um, but anyway, you know, you, you go to these, when we go to Ben's high school events, you know, it seems like these teenagers, they're 14, 15 years old, and they're looking me eye to eye, and I'm almost six and a half feet tall. That's a big boy, right? And they just keep getting bigger and bigger. Why is that? It's because they're living in a land of blessing. Look how blessed we are in our country. They, they don't have to worry about, do I have enough food to eat? They don't have to worry about, am I going to die of a disease when I'm less than five years old? You know, we live in a land of blessing. And when that happens, you get big, you get strong. That's what God desires for us. He has a land of blessing and promise for us. So we see here that these other spies, these other men that went in to explore the land, they allowed their fear to defeat them before they even started. And the worst part was, look, if, you, if you're going to chicken out, if you're not going to live up to the, to the dream that God has placed for you, don't spread that. Don't share that defeatist attitude, but that's what they did. They kept trying to convince everybody, hey, look, this is going to be too hard. We, we can't do this. That's not a lifestyle of faith. That's not an attitude of faith. And so to be a doer, we have to rebuke lies with the truth. See, the majority report that they gave, yes, it was true. The people there were big. The, the, the cities were walled in, you know, and, and there were. There were giants in the land. So it was true, but that was only part of the truth. See, the rest of the truth was that those people living in the land, that wasn't their land. It didn't belong to them. God had already deeded it over to the Israelites. And, and the other thing was, is that the Israelites had God fighting on their side. As you continue to read and you see as they go into the promised land, it talks about how God gave them victory after victory after victory. He was fighting on their behalf. Times when they were outnumbered, God fought on their behalf. There were times when they showed up, they showed up for the battle, and the other army had already run away and left behind all the spoils. And so all they had to do was walk in and pick it up. And that's what God calls for us uh, to do. And so they, they greatly exaggerated the threat. And isn't that something that we all do too? You know, when we see a challenge, we just let it get bigger and bigger and bigger in our mind. But let me tell you something. It doesn't matter how long you stew on something. It doesn't matter how long you think about it. It doesn't matter how, long, how big you allow that problem to swell in your own mind's eye. It will never be bigger than God. And so we overestimate the size of our challenges and we underestimate the size of our God. We have this idea that 
things are going to be all or nothing, right? You know, a lot of times uh, um, I follow several athletes on, on Instagram and Twitter, and they'll be posting, they'll talk about, you know, I'm grinding today, I'm hustling today, I'm working hard, you know, Super Bowl or bust. They have this all or nothing mentality. And those are people who've taken that all or nothing mentality, and man, they are just owning it. They are hitting it, right? Uh, you, you see people like Lamar Jackson that, that has received honor upon honor, you know, because he's worked hard and he's been faithful and he's, and he's done those things. And yet a lot of us, we have this all or nothing mentality, but we take it the other way. We think if we can't have the all, I'll just settle for the nothing. I'm, I'm just as bad at that. I, I'm one of these people who, if I'm going to do something, I want it done the right way. I want to do it the way it should be done. And so I'll procrastinate. I'll put something off uh, until it becomes a bigger mess than it would have been if I would have just done it in the first place. But I'll put it off until I can do it right. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, one, one of the examples of that would be my car, right? I, I like to try and keep my car fairly clean. But it, the thing is, it's like if I don't clean it out regularly, I feel like, well, I can't clean it out because I don't have time to really get in there and scrub. I don't have time to dig all the French fries out from between the, the car and the, the car seat and the console. I don't have time because I don't have time to wax it and, and, and do all the things that you're supposed to do. And so since I don't have time to do it the way I want to do it, I just won't do it at all. And so here I am. I want to have a clean car. I want to have things the way they should be. And I just put it off. Because if I can't have the all, I'll just settle for the nothing. And that's not what God has called us to do. So um, let's continue on. We'll read in Numbers. We're now in chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. It says, Then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt, or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us into this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted amongst themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. So what happens here is that we start thinking, let's just go back. We think at least on this side, I, I know that although things might not be the way I want it to be, I know that I can live with this. I know that I can live in this state. I might be unhappy sometimes, uh, but, but I'm comfortable here. I've been here before. And, and so we have to understand, though, that God has not called us to a life of comfort. And, and that flies right in the face of what you might see if you listen to some of these TV preachers, right? They tell you, you know, if you'll send in your $100 seed offering, and if you will, you know, pray three times a day and read their, their branded study Bible, that all of God's blessings and bounties will be on your life and you will have it all. But that's not what God promises us. You know, if you read the, the, the passages of what Jesus, when he called his disciples, he didn't say, hey, come be with me because we're going to kick the, the Romans out and we're going to reign and we're going to rule and it's going to be awesome. That wasn't what Jesus said. He said, follow me, come and pick up your cross, die daily. You know, he said, people are going to hate you. People are going to revile you. You'll even have to turn against your family and, and leave everything behind if you want to follow me. It will be a great cost. But... It's going to be worth it. That, there's a dream out there. There's something that you can't even see how, how it's going to be. You can't see the blessing that it's going to be. But if you are willing to, to pay that cost, then you can live in that promise that God has for you. See, we're not here to be comfortable. God didn't create me to have a nice cushy couch and to put my backside in it 
and to sit and watch TV and to eat all the chips and hummus that I want. You know, that's not why God created me. That's not why He put me on the earth. He put me on the earth to have, I have a purpose. There's a reason that God has me here. There's a reason I live now. There's a reason that I do the things I do. And so we have to understand that, that we're not here to be comfortable. We're here to be purposeful. You're not here to merely exist. You know, sometimes we just get into that routine of, well, I'll just do what I have to do to get by. I'll do what I have to do to get by. I'll do what I have to do to get by. That's not why God brought us here. He, didn't, he did not create you so that you could endure life. He did not create you so that you could stumble your way, living one day after the other after the other, nothing changing, nothing you know, improving. That's not what God called us to do. We are here to do God's work, to join Him in this dream. See, when God created the garden and He put Adam and Eve in it, He said, look, I've set this all up, now I want you to help me. You're going to have dominion over it. You're going to take care of the animals. You're going to give them all names. You're going to take care of the trees, and you're going to enjoy the, enjoy the product of their, their fruit. You know, I'm going to put you here and you're going to join me in this great project to create a garden out of this creation. And so God wanted them to join him. And, and yet, because they uh, got off track, that became lost to them. And then if you read the curse that God put on Adam, it's a curse of drudgery, right? It says, hey, look, no longer are you just going to be able to walk up to a tree and pick the fruit and, and have everything you need. No, if you're going to want food, you're going to have to toil. You're going to have to work at it. Uh, it says, by your sweat, the, the ground will produce fruit for you. So it's going to take some work, right? And the same thing for, for the women. It's, if you want to have children, if you want to be fruitful, it's going to, be, it's going to take some work. It's not going to be easy like it was going to be because of a consequence. And yet the dream is still there. The dream is for us to join God in His great project. The dream is to create more of a garden out of this world. Now, we're never going to be able to create it all. You know, we're never going to be able to get this world the way it's supposed to be. Not until Jesus comes back and, we, and they create a new heaven and a new earth and we start over from scratch. But in the meantime, every day we should be working towards that dream that God wanted to share with us. So to be a doer, you have to rebel against your addiction to comfort. And then the last thing that we have to say here uh, is that to be a doer, we have to focus on the God of the dream more than the dream itself. Let's continue reading in Numbers. It says, Then Moses and Aaron fell down, face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. And two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh, tore their clothing they said to all the people of Israel, The land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, He will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord, and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. See, the Israelite spies, they were focused on the giants more than they were focused on the God that had given them a promise. The same thing would happen later on in Israelite history when you see King David. Before he became a king, he faced his own giant. And, and it was the same thing. He couldn't focus on the giant. He had to focus on the God that had given him a promise, a God that was fighting on his side, a God that was protecting him. And, and he had the exact same experience as these Israelites back then. He said, look, I'm not afraid of you, giant, 
because I have God on my side. You have no protection. I don't care how much armor you're wearing. You don't have the protection of God on you. And so while I might be small, while I might be a little twerp over here swinging my sling, I have God on my side. And so I have victory waiting on me. See, they were focused more on the dream, uh, the, the God of the dream than on the dream itself. And so let's, sometimes we have to ask ourselves a question. Where did my dreams come from? All right, so we've been talking a lot about the Israelites, and we've been talking a lot about the dream that God had for them, but God has dreams for you too. See, God has put desires in your heart. God has given you dreams in your own heart. See, we, we like to, to make this divide. We say, you know, there's, there's sacred things, there's things of the church, there's spiritual things, and then there, there's secular things, there's things of the world. And that, that's a false dichotomy because the things of the world were all created by God. They're all made for our enjoyment and for our pleasure. So I can say to you, you know, if, if the dream that God has for you is to, to eat all the Krispy Kreme donuts in sight, you know, then where did that dream come from? You know, now you might be taking it a little too far, right? But, but, but where did that dream come from? God wants us to enjoy life. And some of us have some dreams, right? Maybe our dream is to, to travel the world, you know? Maybe we have a dream to, to, uh, to start a business and provide for our family. Maybe we have a dream to, to have some healing in our family, you know, maybe we look at a, at, a, at a family situation that's broken and hurting and we say, I, I, I'm dreaming that someday we'll be beyond this, we'll be past this, and that we'll be in a better place. Or some of us, we have dreams as far as our career, you know, things that we want to do. All of those things, that those, those desires of our heart, God put them in us. And God wants us to, to have those things. And so the, the problem becomes is when we chase the dreams in ways that don't honor God. So the problem is not the dream. The problem is in how you're chasing it and how you're pursuing it. And some of us, God put us a, a dream in our heart that might never come to pass, right? You know, uh, uh, it, it's, it's interesting the things that, that happen. A friend of mine, uh, he, uh, uh, he and his family were blessed, and, and they're actually at the Super Bowl today. And so, you know, Ben has been real jealous. You know he loves football, and he, he's like, man, I, I want to go to the Super Bowl. And I thought, man, that would be awesome. That's a, that's a really cool thing. That, that is an awesome dream to have fulfilled. And do I think God's sitting up there thinking, well, you're wasting time because you're not in church on Sunday. You're at the Super Bowl, right? No, God's not thinking that. I think God's up in heaven just beaming and smiling. Man, they're having the time of their life down there. I think God loves that they're having a great time, an experience that they'll never have. But, but the thing is, you know, they have that dream and it's been fulfilled. I'd love to go to a Super Bowl. Be even better if my Chicago Bears were there. So, you know, that's a real dream, right? That ain't happening, not anytime soon. But anyway, the point is, it's like I might have that dream. And even though that dream will never be realized, sometimes just having the dream is its own pleasure and its own experience. And, and so we have to ask ourselves, where did our dream come from? And, and how, uh, where did it originate, you know? And so God places dreams in our lives, and so then you have the dream, and you have to work to make it happen. If God placed a dream in your life to, to, to create your own business, be your own boss, that's not going to happen unless you quit dreaming about it and you do it, right? It's going to take some hard work. It'll take some sacrifice. Sometimes you'll think, man, this wasn't all it was cracked up to be. I'm not real happy with this. This is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. And yet, that doesn't mean that the dream wasn't worthy. And then sometimes you can ask yourself, well, what happens when my dream didn't work out? 
What happens when I started the business and then it failed? What happens when I quit my job for this other job and then that one didn't work out? What happens when my dream for my family and, and, and how it was going to be great and we were going to love each other and be supportive and kind and, and be there as a, as a tight family group and what happens when that family fractures? You know, what happens? Does that mean the dream was a failure? Does that mean that God was a failure? No. See, we live on this side of eternity. We live in an imperfect world. And yet, pursuing the dream, following what God has placed in your heart, is, is how we can join God in His desire to create the world. So we have to understand that it's never a failure if, uh, if you're closer to God at the end of the experience. Let me tell you something. When you pursue a dream, when you take some risks, when you try some things, you're going to come out different on the other side. You know, maybe what you learned is that your million-dollar idea was the, not as smart as you thought it was, right? That might be what you learned. Or maybe you learned that, hey, I tried to do this one-man operation, and this was way too big for me. I, if, if I'm going to have success in this world, I'm going to have to work with some other people. I'm going to have to form a team and, and work together with people. Maybe you learned that, you know, uh, your desire for your family to be whole and harmonious, uh, that doesn't work unless everyone's on board. Maybe you learned that, you know. But here's the thing. When you go through trials and when you go through tribulations, you'll see the hand of God at work in your life, and you will be closer to God through the experience. You'll say, God, maybe this dream didn't turn out the way I planned it to. But I know that you are with me. I know that you are protecting me. And I hope that you will take this and produce something fruitful out of it. And God will. Just like Pastor read earlier. You know, all those things that we do, God is working them out for our good. And so it's never a failure when we're closer to God at the end of the experience. And let's read the last verse here in Numbers. It says, But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites at the tabernacle. And if you continue reading, you realize that the glory of God showing up at that moment, that wasn't a big, huge blessing. That was an uh-oh moment, right? Any of you, when you were children, maybe you were doing something that you shouldn't have been doing. Maybe you were fighting with your sibling, or, or maybe uh, you'd been given a chore and you didn't do it, and then mom and dad walked in the door, and you look up and you think, uh-oh, right? <laughs> That's what happened here. See, they'd been caught in a moment of rebellion. They'd been caught in a moment where they weren't being faithful. See, they'd taken this grumbling and this discontent and this, this defeatist attitude, and they had allowed that to uh, continue to progress until they were actually planning to murder people who were just trying to say, hey, look, God's got a blessing over here for you. If you'll just go take it, and they're like, that's a terrible idea. Let's kill them. It doesn't make sense. It's a disconnect. And so they actually wanted to kill men who were just trying to get them to claim the, prom the promise, claim the dream that God had laid out for them. And so they had to understand or, or that, that, that God wasn't pleased with that. See, God put up with the grumbling. God put up with the defeatist attitude for a little while. Sometimes God has to convince us, right? Because we're a little bit stubborn. And sometimes we're a little bit insecure. And God is patient with us sometimes. You know, how many times has God tried to get you to fix something in your life and you think, well, I'm going to try, God, and well, that's a little harder than I thought, so I, I give up on that. And then he calls you again. He's like, hey, look, I called you to the next level. And you're like, 
you know what, God, you're right. You did call me to that, and I do trust you, and I, I am going to do what you say. So you follow him over there again, and, and you get into it, and you, you try, and you're like, hey, I'm having some success. I'm, I'm, I'm beating these temptations, or you know, I, I'm, I'm beginning to see you at work in my life, but then something gets you, and you fall off the bandwagon again, and then you're back over here at the start again. And then God says, hey, look, I'm not done with you yet. You were making good progress. Let's keep going. And, and so we say, okay, God, I'm on. And see, God, he doesn't get impatient with us in that process. He realizes that we are who we are and that sometimes it takes a little while before we get that full victory or it takes a little while before we get the knowledge from up here to down here or it takes a little while to get to the place where we can obey and trust the way he desires us to. But at the same time, you do reach a place where it's like, okay, you've now forfeited that promise. And that's where we'll find the Israelites as we continue this story. They came to this place. They were given the promise. They were given the dream. It was, all you have to do is walk in and take it. I'm going to be with you every step of the way. All you have to do is follow my lead. And because they couldn't do it, they experienced a consequence. For 40 years, they were going to be doomed to walk in the desert. That generation that didn't trust God enough, they never got to experience that promise and that dream that God had for them. What a terrible, terrible thought that we might miss out on a dream that God has for our life. Caleb, Joshua, they're the only ones out of that generation that got to continue on into the promised land. They were faithful and God recognized that. He gave them what they desired. And, and he gave them that dream because they were focused on what God had called them to do. If the musicians would come, we're getting close to, to finishing here. Um, but the last thing you need to know is that to be a doer, you're going to have to stand out from the crowd sometimes. You're going to have to go against the flow sometimes. And when I say go against the flow, I'm not talking about uh, just outside of us. Sometimes the flow we're working against, it is the world. The world is saying, hey, you need to do things this way. And we understand that, hey, that's not God's way. And if I'm going to do what God has called me to do, I'm going to have to do something different than what the world is telling me. But sometimes the flow you're working against is your own flow. Because we get into a rhythm and we get into a routine where it's like, okay, I know what I'm doing. This has worked for me and, and I'm going to continue down this path over and over again and that's a flow that we have to break ourselves out of sometimes the flow that we have to work against is our family you know uh, it's, it's really hard to change your diet and to change uh, your routines when the rest of the family's not on board with you right it's, it's really hard to say, I'm going to eat and I'm going to be healthy and I'm going to do these things to take care of myself when the rest of your family's over there uh, chugging their Mountain Dews and eating their pepperoni pizza and, and you're sitting there thinking, man, that looks good. It's hard. And so sometimes you have to go against the flow. And if we want to do the right thing, if we want to follow Jesus, if we want to take a stand, if we want to actually live our faith, we're going to have to go against the flow sometimes. And so that's what Caleb and Joshua had to do in this instance. Ten men out of the twelve said, this is too big, it's too much, we can't do it. That was not faith speaking. That was doubt. That was fear. They were focused on the challenges rather than focusing on the dream. And yet, because Joshua and because Caleb kept their eyes on the dream, they got the dream. They saw it realized. That's how they turned their dream into a reality.
So when we talk about how do we turn a dream into a reality, we're not talking about pie in the sky. We're not talking about, you know, tithe and, 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 and then God's going to bless you and you're going to drive a Rolls Royce and, and all of that. No, it's going to be sacrifice. It's going to be hard. There will be days when you think this is too much. There's going to be days you roll out of bed and you think I'm going to roll right back in. It happens. But if you want to be uh, in the place that God has called you to be, you got to keep that eye on the dream and on the God who gave you the dream in the first place. So as we close today, I want you to think about your own life and think about what are some of the dreams that God has put in your heart? What are the dreams you have for yourself? What are the dreams you have for your kids? What are the dreams you have for your career? What are the dreams you have about hauling in the biggest fish in McNeely Lake? I don't know what your dream is, but you have a dream. Where did it come from? Is it your own? Or did it come from God? And if it did come from God, what are you going to do about that dream? What are you going to do about it? So if you're in this house today and you would say that there are some dreams that I have in my life that are still unrealized. They have not yet happened. If that's you in this house today, I'd like you to stand up. If there are things that you feel like God has called you to do, called you to be, called you to accomplish, and you feel like it's not accomplished yet, I'd like you to stand up. If you are in this house today and you have a dream, you know it's there, but you've given up on it, and you've thought it's too late, it'll never happen, don't give up. And I'd like you to stand as well. So the question is, where did your dream come from? What can you do to make that dream a reality? We're going to pray, and then we're going to sing uh, this song that we sang in praise and worship. When they were singing it, I, I started sending texts. I said, can we sing that at the end because it is so perfect. It, 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 God has lined this up. So we're going to pray. Father God, we thank you today for the dreams that you have placed in our hearts. Father, we thank you for the visions uh, that we see of a reality as it could be and reality as it should be. Father God, like the Israelites, sometimes we stand on the brink of the promised land and we look in and rather than seeing the blessing that's in store for us, all we can seem to get our eyes fixed on is the opposition that we're going to face, the challenges that are in our way. Father God, we, we need to get our eyes off of those challenges and onto you. So Father, for those in this house who say that they have dreams that have not been realized, whether they're dreams for their, for their career, for their family, for their city, Lord, for, for things that they want to accomplish, Lord, for those who are still waiting for that promise to be realized, Lord, I pray that you would give them patience and I pray that you would give them an extra helping of faith, Lord, to wait for your timing. For those of us who are beginning to get a little discouraged in the waiting, who are beginning to think, God, it's never going to come true. It's too late. It's beyond me. I can't do this. Father, I pray that you would help us to get our eyes off of those challenges and back on you. Father, we know that you gave us dreams. Some of those dreams seem important. Some of them seem silly. But no matter what they are, we know that they were placed there by you. And so, Father, if you gave us that dream, you're going to help us to realize it. 
So Lord, we want to move beyond that stage of just being dreamers, just having stars in our eyes and thinking of what could be. Lord, help us to think about what we can do to make those dreams a reality. Lord, you've given us knowledge. You've given us wisdom. You've given us a mirror in Scripture to see what needs to be done in ourselves and for ourselves. So Lord, help us to see that for what it is and to take action on it. And Father, we trust you. Lord, it's scary sometimes. Sometimes the fear seems overwhelming. But Lord, we trust you because you're good and you're working on our behalf. And so Lord, we celebrate all those dreams that have been accomplished. Lord, today as a, as a group, as a, as a church, we celebrated a victory uh, of, a, of a giving project, a missions project that was, is going to bless lives on the other side of the world. That was a dream that began in someone's head and it became a reality because people were faithful because people followed through. So Father, we trust you that you're going to continue to do those things. And we look forward to living in that land of promise that you've prepared for us. And we pray in Jesus.